And turn now in your Bibles, please, to 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. God, wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word and prestige within that nation. And then we come to one of them. Of who? The Syrians. What an irony that he had had. And so everybody knew it. And so she just probably, perhaps, maybe not, but innocently said, Oh, that if he only knew of the prophet we have in Syria, he could be cured. Now, you know Naaman is desperate to take the word of a slave girl to his mistress. But he's desperate. And so he goes to the next character that we come across, the king of Syria. Naaman just doesn't go to, you know, the king's aid. Naaman goes to the king. And he explains the situation, explains what he wants to do. And the fact that we know how much the king thinks of Naaman we, is how much we see that he gives Naaman to take to Israel. This is not any small gift that he's taking. What is it he's talking about? Um, ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. You know, sometimes you read in these commentaries and they try to transfer it to, from what it was then to what it might be for us in our day now. Those are just guesstimations. But it's safe to say it's more than we'll ever imagine having in our lifetimes. Probably all of us put together. It was an incredible sum of money. So one, it showed the respect that he had for Naaman, but it also is a strong message to the king of Israel. If I'm going to give you this kind of money, I'd like to see some results. So we see the story continuing and the plot starting to to thicken a little bit because Naaman now does go to Israel and now he does deliver uh, the message. And the king of, of, of Israel, rightfully beside himself, tears his clothes uh, in, in despair, cries out, you know, and, and rightfully he thinks it's a trap. I mean, Syria and Israel have for now decades uh, been at war with each other, raiding each other's land, sometimes one having the upper hand, one maybe and the, uh, the other having the upper hand. We're not given the impression that they were at war now because there seemed to be a little bit of diplomatic relationships. 
but the king of Israel is just sure that he's being set up uh, for, uh, for trouble and that the king of Syria is looking for an excuse to go to war. Uh, to not take his, his money and to not cure his man would be two really good reasons. And so we have this set up, and Ahab, wait a minute, we're talking Israel. And Ahab is beside himself and doesn't know what to do. So a little slave girl mentions something to her mistress who mentions something to Naaman. Naaman takes it credible enough and is desperate enough. He's going to flee Syria to go to Israel to get help. But yet the king of Israel is helpless to know what to do. But the prophet that the little slave girl talked about hears about this. And he has to hear about it because he's probably not welcome in the court of Israel that should be first and foremost representing Jehovah, the God of Israel. But the king of Israel doesn't know what to do in this dilemma. So Elisha says, send the man to me. And so Elisha comes, and he comes in, in his, what would be considered the right protocol, his horses, his chariot, he brings everything along, and he comes, and you can, okay, the crescendo, the music in the, in the, in the story is starting to build now, right? And, and, and an individual comes out, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the prophet's messenger, Right then, you could probably just see Na uh, Naaman turning all shades of angry because every bit of protocol was just broken. You have an important person from a foreign country coming to visit, and he's greeted by a servant with a message is just not right. And what is the message? Go wash in the Jordan River. Now, I was thinking about this. We were, I spent a couple of days on the Arkansas River this last uh, uh, week, and it's a little bit low, but it is clear, and it is gorgeous. You can look into it, see it. I remember, you know, growing up in Kansas a little bit, some of these creeks where they go fishing for catfish, they're muddy, they're nasty. There's a reason I wouldn't want to swim in it. I wouldn't even want to go wading in it. Now, I'm not saying it was the same sort of contrast, but I'm wondering if, if I was told, what you need to do is go, go, go wash in one of these, these uh, muddy creeks in Kansas. I could go back to Colorado. There's some clean water. I, I can wash there. I know what I'm getting into. But there was a huge pride element, and there was a, a, a just a huge, this does not make sense. I came to get healed. I came with lots of money. I came with cherries. I came ready to reward you for all of this. 
I expected the man of God to come out and treat me with a little bit of respect, just a little bit of dignity. And then come in the next heroes of the story. Not exactly what it said there, but that's kind of the impression. The servants very diplomatically, very courteously, very, they, is in the military, what is the chaplaincy, we, they spoke truth to power. And he needed to hear it. And to his credit, might have gone ground. And God rescues people from sin, changes their life to become a witness for him. Let's just read, if you'll just allow me, if you want to listen, that's fine. Beginning in verse 15. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came out and stood before And he uses people in ways we cannot comprehend to accomplish this beautiful thing called his name. And, and so we don't become experts in everything. But we do understand something wonderful has happened. Something has changed in our response to life as well changes.